0: And literally that's what I my take on crypto is like it's the only currency that makes me feel poor and stupid at the same time. <laughs> like, you know, like that's my hesitancy with this. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping the chasing is molding over. That girl so sweet like Angie Mama went candy shopping. I can't get my mind off with its fluid tools and the slime is drawn. I'm just thinking it's ironic, I'm losing you when I'm finding show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mindset, a podcast. My name's Hershon Aurora. I'm a musician, comedian, entertainer, but most importantly, I have the privilege of hosting this podcast for you, okay? Now, our first couple episodes, we talked to some Harvard professors, okay, some neuroscientists, right? This podcast had a real Grey's Anatomy vibe going, right? But... Here at Mindset, we want you to know that our focus is not just medicine, okay? We want to give you perspectives from all fields and all walks of life, and that's why today we're talking to someone from the tech world, okay? Google, Facebook, Netflix, all the tabs you have open on your laptop right now, this guy's worked at those companies, okay? This guy puts the human back into talent acquisition. Listeners, our guest today is none other than Mr. Mike Jones. Thank you for being on the podcast, Mike.
1: Such a such a pleasure to uh, to to be here, Hershon. And you know, it's it's interesting to to hear that intro. Um, definitely not a Harvard grad. Definitely not a doctor. But this is going to be an incredible conversation. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it.
0: Uh, we were chatting a little bit before I pressed record, and I can already tell you got a great vibe. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, so, uh, like I said, you know, uh, you recently uh, had a job at Netflix. Can you explain a little bit about what you did there?
1: Yeah, so Netflix was a uh, was a was an amazing place. I was responsible for hiring the studio executives uh, that work on all of the original films that you see across the world. So, um, as of I guess last month, two hundred and twenty ish million households. Honestly, you can probably two or three x that. Um, you know, with the amount of people who are using uh, specific accounts. So shame on shame on everyone out there. But um, but no, it's um. You know, it was, it was incredibly exciting having the opportunity to truly have an effect on what people are seeing around the world. Without, um, you know, being at a company that didn't have its own IP to really lean on. So when you think about the Marvels, when you think about the DCs, you know, Netflix had to come up with original content from the uh, from the ground up. So it was incredibly exciting to have even just a small hand. In you know, seeing um, you know, just being part of the social zeitgeist, and you know, being the 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 person or one of the the people who were responsible for um, for helping these films come to the world.
0: That's dumb. hey Siri, uh, what does zeitgeist mean? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, I might need but, to look that up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. You just have that memorized, you know? Yeah, for yeah. I've yeah. the... <laughs> um, said that a couple of times, you know. <laughs> I know, but I could tell, I could tell just based on your voice, you know, it's very genuine. You genuinely, you know, enjoyed what you did there. And it's always great to hear that, like somebody's fulfilled by what they're doing. Um, You said studio executives were the people that you were hiring. What exactly is a studio executive and, you know, what's their role in the production of these films and TV shows?
1: Yeah, so a studio executive is a person responsible from the studio side of the business, um, really sitting in the seat next to the director, next to the producers, um, who are really helping shape that script or that film um, from the studio perspective. So what that looks like is, let's just take a Spike Lee, for instance. Our team would be sitting down throughout the development process, throughout um, throughout the production process, with Spike really helping craft what that piece should look like. And being having a representative there from the studio side, the studio knows what its members want. So that studio executive at that time is able to say, uh, "You know, this might not land as well with some of our members. Maybe we should tweak this." Um, obviously, with an example like Spike, um, there probably aren't many things that we can, um, <laughs> you know, that we can tell him. But having a partner in that chair sitting next to him, um, really there just as a, a support mechanism is, is incredible. So the studio exec is that person really having control and, and, um, just oversight over a slate of films at any given time. Um, so, you know, your average studio exec might be on, let's call it five active projects at one time. Um, so they, they have quite the, uh, quite the, the job of juggling mm-hmm. multiple projects that are in production, but also uh, multiple projects that are in the development side as well, where they're thinking about what does this script look like? What should these characters look like? What should the character arc look like? And, and all that good stuff as well.
0: Okay, wow, that's yeah, super interesting. I did not know that, so it's great for you know me and the listeners to learn together. Um, you said you hire these people, so how do you know what makes a good studio executive?
1: Um, it's ta- it's challenging, man, because um, when I stepped into the space, I really didn't know much about the entertainment world. And um, kudos and and hats off to uh, my former manager who really took me under his wing and really just showed me the ropes and, and helped me understand what does a good movie look like, right? And, and mm-hmm. that's, in many cases, such a subjective thing, right? There might be movies that I love that critics hate and vice versa. And it really comes down to, and I, I know we're going to talk about this throughout the podcast as well, um, it really comes down to why someone does what they do. Right. And anytime I was hopping onto the phone with a candidate, it was less of, hey, tell me what you did, but tell me why you do mm. what you do and why you continue doing what you do. And really through that question, you can really dig into just the passion behind why people do the things that they do, but also you get away from the 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 quote unquote interview answers right the, yeah. the answers that people have prepared stepping yeah. into an interview and you know like
0: when someone you're interviewing someone and they say this like guys like yeah, yeah right you come know, on like yeah, <laughs> you know like zeitgeist. scratch
1: scratch scratch um, you know and, and Do it's, not it's one of those you know and and the thing is i i thought i was the king bser um and honestly i met some studio execs that just wiped me off the uh, off of the face of the earth with how great they were at just you know, being that finger pointing, you know, thumbs up, high fiving person and really just telling you what you want to hear. Mm. And the challenging part about stepping into these conversations is both of us were really jockeying for that. So it was, you know, it was challenging getting deeper into you know, passion because passion is a little tougher to prepare for, right? So, yeah, um, that was my my kind of secret power um, to really get to the core of who somebody is and whether the, whether or not they were going to be a fit for Netflix at the at that point in time.
0: That's dope, man. So you really got to like read people and get to know and understand. You know, wow. By the way, I think the name. What did you just say? Passion uh, is hard. You just said, ah, oh, I had it. Um, I had it. It's it's more of the the why we do something and and
1: passion. Um, I think you can just get so much more from the why somebody does something as opposed yeah. to you know as opposed to exactly what they're doing. Because yeah, I can yeah, read yeah. a LinkedIn profile, I can look up what movies you've you've um, you know you've you've put out. So all mm-hmm. of that stuff you can you you should have your homework done before even stepping into that conversation. So there's no point yeah. to regurgitate what's on somebody's resume.
0: Yeah. And you know, I did I read a quote recently where it's like once you figure out the why, the how and the what, everything will figure itself out, right? And so like if people are aligned with their goals, then that's gonna Yeah, that's dope, man. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you seem like you did you do take a lot of pride in, you know, finding the right person and making sure that it leads to the best possible product for the for the consumers. That's still, man. And what about at the other companies you've worked at, like Facebook and Google? Were you doing the same type of recruiting? So I
1: was not actually so. Um, while at Facebook, Google, and my initial time at Netflix, I was actually on the technical recruiting side of the um, side of the house. So, um, while at Google, I was recruiting uh, software engineers um, to work on the massive amount of projects that Google has out there in the um, in the world. Um, when I moved over to Facebook, I began to specialize a little more. And dove into iOS, right? Apple. So mm-hmm. the the iOS product for, um, or the iOS platform for any Facebook, um, for any Facebook property, whether it's uh, WhatsApp, whether it's Instagram, whether it's the flagship um, Facebook app itself. So um, I dove quite a bit into iOS there. Um, and then during my initial couple of years at Netflix, I... Um, I did iOS and Android um, engineering as well as some security engineering as well. So I've kind of I kind of have a rare skill set when it comes to recruiting where I have the technical expertise, um, but also understand how to step away from those conversations. And, you know, instead of a more of a checkbox conversation, it's much more of a, a free flowing, you know, let's see where the conversation goes type of thing.
0: So you actually were engineering that the softwares yourself too, like you have yeah, that experience. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Okay, I was gonna say. I was like, you're gonna hate me, bro. Like no, I, no, no. Like I jailbreak my iPod and share a Netflix password. <laughs> like you're gonna hate me, dog. <laughs>
1: I mean, look, I I jailbroke all of my old school, um, all of my iSchool, old school iOS devices. Um, I do have to say I am a proud, uh, proud Android user now. So shame on me. Um, And while it's funny, while I was working at Facebook recruiting for the iOS team, I was hardcore Android. So um, all of my uh, all of my colleagues were like, "Really, Mike? Like how? Like you're 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 posing right now." So yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was quite the uh, it was quite the challenge. <laughs>
0: Here's the thing: the list, we're not recording the video, but just so the listeners know, like, dog, you're way too good looking to have those ugly emojis. Come on, oh, man! <laughs> you the deserve greed, better, bro. Big
1: green <laughs> bubbles. Oh, I literally I, listen. Thirty minutes ago, I just had an, a group argument with my family about who in the group is making the group chat green and I'm like really and they're like Mike you make enough money to afford an iPhone and I'm like oh my gosh here we go again so believe
0: yeah. it, I've heard
1: it all but holding it down for uh, for us for us androiders.
0: Yeah you're like yo I make more money than all of y'all everything <laughs> I do is green man. And they're like you're still poor and I'm like okay. <laughs> Every android listener is gonna unsubscribe from this podcast. <laughs> We're sorry, Android. Android. We're sorry. Keep,
1: keep Android strong. Let's go, <laughs> green bubbles. <laughs> oh my god,
0: that's hilarious, man. Um, okay, so what was it like working at Netflix? You know, it seems like you did enjoy it. Do you have any cool stories about working there? Any you know specific projects that you thought stood out from the others?
1: Yeah. So I think the the one to call out, and I think the um the hire that I'm I'm most proud about. Um, was a candidate that we hired to um, to lead all of UK film and that was exciting because a like I mentioned uh, a a couple of minutes ago I knew nothing about entertainment or film before stepping into this role and uh, lo and behold you know, a couple about a year into stepping into this world, um, you know, my manager sits down with me. He's like, "Hey, we've got to find a uh, a leader for um, basically film coming out of the UK." And I'm sitting here in LA, so obviously have no idea. I haven't even been to the UK. Um, I've landed in, in London on you know on a uh, on a, a a layover to uh, to Germany. So I'm like, "Oh my gosh, how do I do this?" I'm connecting with people literally across the world. Um, telling them that um, you know, really having trying to understand, like, hey, why do you do what you do? What is UK film in your mind? So all of that was um, was quite a bit challenging. But fast forward, um, we ended up hiring an incredible, an incredible woman who is uh, who is taking the the UK by storm. And the thing that excited me most about that hire was the fact that. We were able to really take this um, take this candidate and really put like stick our necks out. And and when I say stick our necks out um, in the entertainment space, it is a very very close knit space. Everyone knows each other. Um, You know, if if I don't know you, then there's a chance that your work isn't good. That kind of thing, right? And my job as a recruiter is really to expand the networks of the hiring managers that I'm working with and initially um, when myself and the hiring manager sat down he was like ah, like I don't know her so I don't know how good she is um, and I told him look I've had a conversation with her I know what you're looking for like you have to like take this call it's definitely not gonna you know it's going to be worth your while for sure um, fast forward a, a number of months we ended up hiring her and she was the best person for the job and the um the team had heard of her, but not on the level um that we would typically be be looking at, and she blew the team away. And now she's here, um, building out a slate of incredible films out coming out of the uh, coming out of the UK. And it's just one of those things that's like, ah, I can take a step back and and you know not to take any credit for her being amazing, but it's like, man had had i not pushed from my end mm-hmm. it would have been something that probably would have would have fallen through and and that i think is a mark of a good recruiter versus a uh, versus a great recruiter
0: yeah and you know what like it's me speaking as someone in entertainment myself i completely understand that feeling of having people be you know cri- like skeptical of you they don't believe in you but then you have someone who's bold enough to vouch for you and then you come and you show them yeah this is what i do and they so i've had that hap- that feeling for me before and i can only imagine what it felt like for this person because they're doing it on such a high level and you know that's that's great how did you know she was the right candidate like what told you
1: honestly i mean going back to that passion piece right mm-hmm. and and when we were talking about what just bringing UK film to the world like she I mean she got me excited about UK film right and there's one thing uh for someone to come in and say hey you know I want to tell stories about um about England and all of these things like sure that's that's great everyone wants to do that but where we I mean and we're we're still friends we still communicate to this um you know to this day obviously we we don't cross paths super super often but it's one of those things that she just blew me away from a passion perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there was something that just told me, gosh, like she's going to help change the world. And as a recruiter and, and any recruiters out there listening, I'm sure, you know, when you sit down and speak with that candidate and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is the person. Um, that's how it, that's how it felt. And, and it doesn't come up, it doesn't come along often, but when it does you, you, you know pedal to the
0: floor 100% 100% oh, that's awesome i'm so i'm so glad is it okay to share this person's name or would you prefer not to uh
1: yeah i mean she's super public fiona Lamptey. Um, fiona Lamptey. there you go the if anyone director. was interested you know yeah. there you go, go, look, go her, look, look up her up work fiona yeah. if you're listening um, you know it was such a pleasure getting a chance to work yeah. with you i'm i'm excited to see the uh, the projects that you have coming out over the uh, over the next few years here so again pedal to the floor
0: yeah, and that's the thing, you know, life is so short. Let's give people flowers while we still can, right? Absolutely. Like in whatever way, shape, or form. Flowers for days. <laughs> flowers for days. Okay. Um, Netflix, in many ways, has a revolutionized the entertainment industry because basically now everything is streaming, um, yep. you know, from our music to our entertainment to our TVs, everything. So what do you think the future of streaming is going to look like? Because right now. 2022, I can basically stream anything I want in the palm of my hand in a matter of seconds. So I know companies always try to, you know, evolve and improve. Where can we go from here? Man,
1: I think for the industry, um, and I think more importantly for the end consumers, the closer that we can get to giving consumers more choice, I think is when everyone begins to win and the challenge that streamers are being faced with now um, you know in particular um, you know in, in particular the the larger studios is when they release a film and, and I'll use um, Top Gun um, that just released this weekend um, for example you don't want that film coming out. On streaming the same day that it's releasing in theaters, because then all of your theater chain partners aren't getting their, you know, aren't getting their money, or at least that's the that's the argument for it. Um, and where where I think we can do much better as an industry is just finding ways to shorten um, that window, because the the argument typically always was, you know, Netflix is trying to kill the theaters and and all of this, and it's like that's far from what netflix wanted to do but you have to you have to think about you know sure much of the population lives in la much of the population lives in new york but what about the person in the middle of the country that doesn't have access to a movie theater what about that person who can't afford to take a family of of 4 to 5 to the you know to the to the theaters so i think it's it's giving choice um and giving folks the opportunity to have entertainment at their um at their fingertips is is incredibly um exciting and you know i i always use the um i always use the the story of look when when, um, you know, when when TVs came out years ago and, and you know, did it kill people going to sporting events? No, people are still going to pay twelve dollars for a hot dog and twenty dollars for a beer because it's the experience. Right. Mm-hmm. So Top Gun, for example, that's a movie that I would want to see in theater. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to go pay for it to see it in theater anyway. Um, so you know when I think about that, that's been the um, you know that's been the the argument for for quite some time. But I mean, streaming overall, I think as platforms get better, as platform uptime gets better, and as um, I think the industry is going to go through a consolidation process because there's a streamer for pretty much everything right now. Um, so I think as the industry goes through a consolidation process, and hopefully as we're able to shorten the theatrical window um i think the the consumer at the end of the day wins um so that's i think that's where we can take things but honestly it all starts with the with the tech behind um behind all of it because without incredible tech to get the amazing content into the hands of of folks around the world really you can have the best content ever but if you can't get it to people it doesn't
0: matter Mm -hmm. Well, and one thing you said that really resonated with me was um, you said choice. Yep. Do you think that the viewers themselves, the consumers, are influencing the content that's being made? Meaning, like, if, I, if you, they see a certain type of show is doing really well, do they make more of those shows? Do they listen to our feedback and try to incorporate that into their content? Or do they just make what they think is going to resonate and just throw stuff against the wall?
1: Yeah, so it's um I'll I'll speak from the perspective of of Netflix because um, obviously everyone knows Netflix is a big data company, mm-hmm. um, and I won't say that what Netflix creates. Um, is solely guided by what the uh, by what the the end consumer wants, um, but that is taken into account when we're thinking about what sorts of movies, what sorts of cast members to um, you know to to put out there. Um, so when we think about when we think about um, you know a Bridgerton, for example, and Bridgerton is doing so incredible, and it's a period piece, and you know it's it's. Uh, the cast is multi-ethnic, and these are things that people are gravitating towards. Then Netflix can take a step back and say, "Well, wow, these types of stories are doing well. So let's not recreate the formula every time, and let's figure out how we can get to, um, you know, how we can get to a point where we can make what the consumers want. Because at the end of the day, the members are funding." the films that you're making so Mm -hmm. why not give people what they want if they are paying you to make what you know what um, yeah yeah yeah
0: okay that's a great answer and i hope you know uh, helped answer any questions for the listeners um do you think that there's ever gonna be a full-on monopoly of like one company controlling all streaming like i feel like you know the way amazon's kind of growing and building and trying to you know wipe out all the smaller markets do you i know there's like netflix there's hulu there's crave there's so many different ones do you ever think at a certain point in the future there's just going to be one big company that encompasses all of these.
1: Oh, that's that's a tough one, man. Um I don't think there will be one, but I think there will be very few. Mm. And the reason why I say that is um for uh, for example, Amazon just bought MGM uh, a couple of a couple of months ago, right? Amazon has the deepest pockets of Most companies out there in the world, and I think the Apples, the Amazons, um, potentially in the future, the the Netflixes of the um, of the world will start purchasing some of these smaller companies to consolidate, um, Mm -hmm. so that they have a larger library of IP to um to build off of. um, you know, with, with Amazon buying MGM, they got the 007 franchise. So that is oh, huge. That's a big huge. one. Huge. Yeah. Um, so I think that will continue to, um, you know, to happen because I think, again, there there's a streamer for, for everything. And while most, um, while I will say, while many households have multiple streaming services, um, there will come a time where, most cable cutters are, or cord cutters are coming from cable because cable prices are super expensive. But if we take a step back and we're like, okay, well I have, um, I have an Amazon, um, an Amazon prime subscription, a Netflix subscription, a Peacock subscription. By the time you add all of those up, you're right back at the cable prices. Yeah, so yeah, I think, exactly. um, I think especially as the, the world is is dealing with everything that it is right now, um, People will become a little more price sensitive, um, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a, um, you know, a, a big thing. And I think as as everyone has seen um, in the uh, in the media over the past couple of weeks, you know, tech companies are are struggling right now. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that, um, you know, I think consolidation will be um, will be necessary. Um, so we'll we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see what the uh, what the future of entertainment looks like. Um, because being at Netflix or not, I'm still a, I'm still a fan. I still have my subscription. Um, so, uh, so I'm excited to, uh, to just see more and more great entertainment on the, uh, on the screen.
0: And that's a, that's a great answer. And I, I think you're right. Like it's never going to be just one because there's always going to be competition, right? Yep. It's just Com- going to the- And competition is good, right? It pushes
1: people to do better. When you think about, you know, being a, you know, being a, a um, uh, an athlete right you don't get better by playing against the people who who are awful you get better by playing against people who are better and, yep. and that yeah. push you to change your game to you know to think about how to beat that better person mm-hmm. um so i think competition is an incredible thing and will stop us from getting to that point yeah. of there being a, a sole monopoly
0: And, you know, honestly, that's how I feel about, like, my career in stand-up. And, like, you know, I started in, I don't know, you probably don't know, London, Ontario. It's a very small town, right? That's where I went to school. That's where I started. But I was like, man, if I want to get better, like, I got to go to Toronto. I got to be around the best comedians in the world, frankly. And then since then, I've noticed, like, I'm picking up on things. We're sharpening each other's swords. We're getting better. So that, yeah, I agree 100%. That competition, even though I don't like to look at it as competition, just two people fighting to be as good as they can be is only going to make things better for everyone. Right. Yeah.
1: And honestly, that's one of the, that's, and, and hopefully I'm not uh, killing any of your questions later, but honestly, that's one of the things that I enjoyed the most about working at Netflix because I was around such incredible people that I can sit down in a room and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can learn something from every single one of mm. you. And at many times, that led to me having this imposter syndrome where I'm like, did they hire the right mic? Um, <laughs> because I'm sitting in this room with all of these people and I'm like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, and, and honestly, that was... Friendly competition, if anything, but also the sharing of information across. Yeah. Right. If if yeah. if I can ask somebody, hey, you did this thing in this presentation that or you said this thing that I've never seen, never heard before. Like, can you like can you teach me about that? Um, sharing information is is everything. And I think um, it's incredibly important to. Um, to be around people who you strive to be like, or strive to um to, to pick up as many you know as many incredible things as, as possible from, because it's only going to make you better. And hopefully, once and if you leapfrog them, then hopefully they'll turn around and, and look at you the same way. Yeah, that's dope,
0: man. Okay, last Netflix question, All All right. Right. Um, and this might not be your domain, so if you don't have a good answer, that's fine. But I told you <laughs> I'm a good BSer. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Okay, I can't wait for your answer now. Um, (laughs) Me, obviously, being in the entertainment field, I would really regret having someone who worked at Netflix here and not asking them, how does something on Netflix get made? What are the different steps that it's required? And, you know, can anybody do it? You need to be affiliated with certain companies from like the beginning to end as best as you can answer. Do you mind giving us a little bit of insight?
1: Yeah. So this is a, this is an interesting one and apologies to all of the people who have written to me uh, in my LinkedIn inbox and have sent me random emails over the years. I am sorry for not responding to you. Um, but there, there's a process, um, that, that needs to be, or that, that most times has to be followed when bringing, When bringing content into a studio, right? So um, if I had to give you a number, I would say I was probably on average getting 20 to 25 messages a day about, hey, I have this great script. Can you, you know, can you get it into the right hands? And It was just like, ah, and it led me to the point of putting a really big disclaimer (laughs) on my LinkedIn profile where it's like, I don't accept unsolicited material. Netflix doesn't, no one does. Um, And clearly most people did not read that because I I still got unsolicited scripts and an unsolicited script just means if we didn't ask you for it, it's unsolicited. Um, So typically what the what the process looks like and and um you know just one of the ways that um that that films and and series are are made um most times it has to go through an agent or someone that we have um an, a pre-existing relationship with right because when you think about all of the submissions that could come across you know come from around the world right everyone has a great idea but Netflix only has so many slots, um, Netflix and any other studio only has so many slots to make these things happen. So what an agent does is an agent brings in and fields all of those submissions and Netflix, you know, might tell this agent or a group of agents, um, Hey, here's what we're looking at for our slate in 2025, right? We have, two action films, we probably need a rom-com, and we might need a drama to add to the slate as well. So there is a calculated slate that companies that every studio is looking at. So we're not just taking a good story and putting it on the screen because it's a good story. It's like, hey, this has to fit what the slate looks like. Mm. And Netflix and the team would sit down and say, hey, agent number one, we're looking for this, um, you know, this, this rom-com set in the sixties, right? Send us what you have. So that agent has the opportunity to then sift through the submissions that they have, and they are able to send us the best of what they have, because there's no sustainable, scalable way for any studio out there to read every script. Um, because it, it's just, again, it's, it's not scalable. Um, so if you are out there, and are looking to get something made, honestly, an agency is going to be the best route to go because not only are you allowing the Netflixes of the world to, um, to have access to it, but you're also giving the Amazons, the Universals, these other big studios as well, um, an opportunity to pick up your work. So it's, it, it, I think the, the, the place where people... Have the most pause is most times agents are going to take a cut out of what, um, you know, out of what you ultimately would make. But that's just how the entertainment world works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kevin Hart has an agent, Kevin Durant has an agent, so that you know, <laughs> no one is representing themselves in most cases. Um, you know, and and so that I in my opinion, that's the you know, that's the easiest way to go. And once you get your foot in the door and once you get the, the, the ball rolling, like that's where you can really start making some of those big moves. But an agency is going to be the, the best way to get your work seen by the most people, um, you know, and, and there is a price to uh, to pay for that exposure.
0: OK, great answer. Um, I have two things to say. Number one. Um, good luck to anybody who heard that and is now gonna take the appropriate steps. And number two, uh, my apologies to Netflix for all my unsolicited emails. Uh, <laughs> I did not know <laughs> that was the oh, wrong I'm, way to approach this. There we go. It's <laughs> like, like what happened? <laughs> um, okay, that's a great answer, man. Um I remember actually I just had a thought when you were talking about all the like the future of streaming, how it might be a couple of big companies controlling it all. What do you think that's going to mean for independent filmmakers? Like, does that mean it's just like, it's going to be tougher for them? Is it even worth trying then at that point? Or do you think there's going to be ways for them to flourish in their own ways? I think there always will be because as, um,
1: as technology gets better, there are so many ways to have your work seen without it being on a Netflix, without it being on an Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. Like YouTube has begun and continue to propel so many careers. Um, And then when you think about TikTok, and I'm personally not a a big TikTok, I'm not a TikTok user at all, honestly, but um, you have the, like, content creators in the world have such a, um, they can be their own producers right like they don't yeah. have to pay a studio to to have their work seen like if you want to upload your you know your short film to YouTube and want hundreds and thousands and millions of people to see it you can do that in a couple of minutes yeah um so don't give up on your passion um mm-hmm. there are there are many, um, many, many content creators who have come up from the YouTubes of the world and now are on the big screen. Um, The first one that comes to mind, I believe, and I I hope I'm not lying here, um, but I believe Issa Rae um, started off doing short uh, short form content on, on YouTube. And, you know, now she has an, an Emmy nominated series that just unfortunately ended, and she's on the big screen um, you know, everywhere we turn. and it's like, hey, you you you, you don't have to start big. You can start small mm-hmm. and develop a fan base and and let the fans take you from there. But do not give up on your passion. Yeah. if you are passionate about what you are doing and the stories that you want to tell. There, there's so many ways to have your work seen. You know, if this were the, you know, if this were the '80s or '90s, yeah, that's a, that's a different world, different story. Yeah.
0: So here's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it is such a different world. Um, things are different, even for me as a stand-up. Like, it used to be a very concrete path that you have to follow. You get on a, a late-night talk show, and then you get your mm-hmm. sitcom, and then you get whatever. But it's not like that anymore. Like with the the advancements in technology, do you think it's even should even be in people's plans to be on one of these big companies? Or do you think staying, like, independent and controlling it all yourself is the way to go? Because there's so many different outcomes now. You could be your own boss, right?
1: Yeah. And, I mean, the YouTubes and TikToks of the world, you can also monetize that exactly. incredibly well. Yeah. Um, you know, and and will you make Kevin Hart money from YouTube? I mean, actually, Possibly, I I know I've seen some some creators Man, who are making. There,
0: I guarantee you, there's a three year old baby who yep. opens toys for a living who's making more money than all of our families combined. Yep, yep,
1: yep, <laughs> yep. So hey, actually, if you're chasing the money as well, you you still have a you still have a shot. So you know, you. But the thing is, I mean, when you think about having this access to being able to put your, your your work out there your competition meter just went through the roof yeah, so yeah. you know we talked about competition being a good thing and how you can hone your craft you are now in a field of hundreds of millions of con- uh content creators so you've got to bring it if uh-huh. you're going to try to make it in that um in that world today yeah
0: well there you go And there's a there's pros and cons to everything right that there are wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a fun life if that weren't the case <laughs> <laughs> okay i think i think we really covered the whole netflix entertainment stuff uh well uh you did recently get a new job congratulations on that Thank, you. Um, Thank it's you. i looked it up i don't know how to pronounce the name of the company because it said a16z is that am i pronouncing it right
1: yeah a16z um mm-hmm. also known as Andreessen horowitz um okay. it is a um, a big venture capital firm uh, that is, you know, that has been in the in the space for quite some uh, quite some time. And if any of my uh, my my tech slash crypto followers out there, um, Andreessen just uh, just closed a round of I think it was four point five billion dollars um, dedicated to a specific crypto fund, which is the biggest crypto fund in history so they are uh they've they've got some some deep pockets and you know really are are thinking about what the future of you know the, the world looks like and giving entrepreneurs with great ideas the funding to make their greatest ideas come true
0: so crypto is just like any other investment or stock in the sense that its value depends how heavily people believe in it right so if nobody invests in it you know it's worthless clearly uh, people are investing in it especially this company so yep. how do you think the public opinion of crypto has changed in recent years and like you said what do you think the future of crypto looks like
1: i think public opinion has come quite a bit uh quite a quite a way since the you know early 2010s uh because i think Back when Bitcoin, the the daddy of all uh, crypto, uh, was, you know, was created back in, I believe it was 2009, Um, crypto was used for some pretty non-legal reasons, and sure, that's, the that's what it was used for back then but i people think people were buying
0: kidneys with bitcoin <laughs> yeah and
1: i think silk road was a thing and that just that just sounds sketchy and you know i get enough uh, i get enough ads on on my uh on my 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 laptop already so i can only imagine um what that would uh, what that would bring but i think um uh, public opinion has changed but we still have a long way to go um in particular here in the u.s um our government is really trying to figure out what crypto regulation should look like, because it's still, um, it's still a scary place where, you know, you essentially become your own bank. in in most cases, and there are, um, there are a lot of scams out there. Um, So I think the protections are necessary. Um, But I think public perception has changed in most cases that bitcoin is not used for just illegal things um Mm -hmm. you know so i think we still have quite a quite a long way to go but it has changed since the early um since the early 2010s
0: do you ever see a point in time where we use crypto the same way we use like debit or credit in our daily lives absolutely yeah absolutely um
1: i think we're still Again, quite a bit of ways out mm-hmm. um, because I think once we once we get to the point where my mom yeah. feels comfortable and safe using crypto, like that's the stage that we need to get to. But right now, it's just such a it's such a tough barrier to entry because yeah. there's so there there's just so much understanding that you need to have to understand what you should be investing in, but also. I mean, it's the same way with the stock market, right? Yeah. Like, you know, sure, I can be like, oh, you know, Apple and Amazon, great companies, um, you know, but if you're if you're going beyond the Bitcoin and the Ethereum of um, of the world, you really have to understand what you're investing your money in, um, because. Everything has crashed over, yeah. the past, uh, over the past
0: couple of weeks, man. So, and literally, that's what I my take on crypto is like. It's the only currency that makes me feel poor and stupid at the same time. Like you know, like that's my hesitancy with this. Like- <laughs> And you're saying you got to get people to understand like what they're investing in, but like also yeah. like what it is as a whole, yeah. like understanding the blockchain. It even, I don't even think I truly understand it still. Like I've spent nights on YouTube trying to understand it and I'm still like, I don't know if I trust this, you know? Same, dude. But, that's <laughs> the, you know, that's the
1: exciting thing about it is we're still built. Like this thing is still being built, yeah. right? Like, I mean, obviously the blockchain is going to be the blockchain, but what we do with it, yeah, we're waiting for... People to come up with incredible ideas
0: to show us what it can be used yeah. for. And um, honestly, so it's, it's exciting. That's what, that's what really excites me is yeah. not so much the cryptocurrency, but also like just the blockchain technology. Blockchain technology and what can come out of that, whether it's advancements in like you know health records or like just the yep. way that can benefit. To me, that's more exciting than you know buying a coffee anonymously. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> I mean that 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 coffee. You sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I I I misspoke. Uh, a kidney. <laughs> My bad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
1: what. Got it. Got it. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, kidneys, kidneys. Uh, I mean, coffees, is, coffees. Is, a uh, you know. It's a cold word. It's code a cold word. Yeah, Hopefully. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go to the store and buy a coffee.
0: <laughs> um but yeah, man. Like I'm a, I'm excited for that sense. And do you know if there's any ways to invest solely in the technology? Like can you invest in blockchain or is there like certain things that are You know what I'm trying to ask you like?
1: Yeah. I believe there is a blockchain ETF that you can invest in. Okay. That is just supporting the companies that are out there, um, helping build blockchains. So that is a way that you can go if you don't want that. Um, if you want, if you don't want that exposure and I've listened to enough crypto podcasts to specifically say, this is not financial advice. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm like, wow, I finally got to say it myself. Um, but, uh, you know, but, but you can, Invest in the underlying technology without investing in the crypto itself. So there there are ways to do it today. Um, And I think that's only going to continue to grow as regulation, um, you know, does does begin
0: to, to get a little more built out. Mm-hmm. And to me, like personally, again, obviously not financial advice, but right. it, it it seems a little more secure than just investing in a couple of cryptocurrencies that obviously are very volatile. Yeah. Investing in the underlying technology and seeing how that grows over the years to me just puts me a little more at ease rather yeah. than, you know.
1: And, and you know, one one thing that I, I will say um, to those folks who just aren't or don't really want to spend the time, um, to, to learn about it. Don't be like me and write it off before you understand it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I, uh, to tell you a, a quick story, I remember back in, I was in, I was living in San Francisco and an Uber driver is like, yo, there's this app called Coinbase and you can buy Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And I think the price of Bitcoin back in 2014 was like, it had to have been a couple hundred bucks, if not, you know, in the low thousands. And I downloaded the app and I was like, oh, this is for nerds. Like, what is this, digital (laughs) currency? I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. Deleted the app. And fast forward, you know, six, seven, eight years and I'm like, oh, like had I just stayed home one night from the bars and learned about yeah. what this stuff actually was like i would be in a very good uh much better financial space now so uh so i'm kicking myself for that but don't write it off until
0: you understand truly mm-hmm.
1: what you know what the benefits are
0: yeah and you know the funniest thing i find the people who are like most hesitant about crypto are the same people who spend hours like trying to collect vc and 2k i'm like yo what are you doing <laughs> <You're right. laughs> Use your time wisely, Doug. (laughs) Right. Come on, man. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. (laughs) Oh, man. That's funny. Yeah, man. I mean, again, even after this conversation, I myself, I'm motivated to go educate myself more. And, you know, I see so many people investing in crypto. And I understand that, again, the more people that believe in it, the more profitable it's going to become. So... Nobody wants to miss out on the next big thing, even if it's just, like you said, a couple hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever. Who knows? It could change your life in the yep. matter, in the span of 10 years, right? So, again, not financial advice. Uh, this is the- <laughs> financial advice. We both have to say it at the same time, right? Like- <laughs> I don't know. I love how we started talking about Netflix, and now we're just convincing everyone to get Dogecoin. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: Dogecoin, that's the future. That is the future. <laughs>
0: This podcast is officially sponsored by Dogecoin, Fun and Dogecoin. Uh, <laughs> yes.
1: please help me get my initial investment back out because it is
0: not doing well right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Speaking of not doing well financially, uh, how's LA? Uh,
1: <laughs> my Dogecoin is making it very difficult to live a fantastic life out here. So,
0: uh... um, so this is. I have a better way to frame this question. Okay. Like, yeah. um. Uh, you know, I did some research on you and it said you had to move to LA to pursue the position at Netflix. Is that correct? Yeah. And- um,
1: yeah. Yeah. To, to move to the
0: content side of the business. Yep. Yeah. So how, like, what were you feeling at the time of having to move? Where were you before LA? Uh, so I was in the Bay area. Um, okay. And
1: prior to that, uh, Austin, Texas, and prior to that, Knoxville, Tennessee. So, okay, wow. I've, I've kind of I've been yeah. all over the place. You might, you you probably don't know where Nof- Knoxville is. If so, I'm proud of you for that because <laughs> it is a small town. Um, go Rocky Top for for any uh, for any UT fans listening.
0: Uh, Listen, I think it's fair to say that you glowed up. You glowed up for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> from <here>. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so. Going from you know from Tennessee to Texas to the Bay Area to L A, how did you feel when you had to make that first move for for your job? Like, were you scared at all? Did it feel like the right thing? How did you know you know it was gonna be the right move?
1: Man, I was I was nervous as hell and really scared. Um, and it it's one of the pieces of advice that I give. Most people that I speak with about, hey, how did you get to where you are? Like, what did you, like, how did you get to be so successful? And I use, you know, air quotes because it's like, what, you know, what is success? Right. Um, but I was, I was terrified, man. Um, but I knew that moving to the content side of the business. Was where this newfound passion was. And Mm -hmm. the only place that I was going to be able to do it was LA. And, you know, that move was one that I moved here and didn't know a single person. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew that, man, I'm going to love what I wake up and do every morning. So, like, this is worth it. Right. And, you know, it's tough. Leaving friends behind, um, you know, and it's really tough. Uh, moving to a city as large as L.A. and mm-hmm. not knowing where where anything is, and there were plenty of people. Um, you know, there, there seems to be this r- rivalry between Northern California and Southern California. So everyone from San Francisco was like, oh, my gosh, L.A. is this terrible place. Like, you know, you better uh, you better put your Louboutins on everywhere you go, because if not, you're you're broke, which is still true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those things that I was like, honestly, like I have put a lot of thought into this and I know mm-hmm. that at least if anything, I'm going to love what i do 40 to 50 60 hours a week sometimes so take that take that leap man Mm -hmm. it's 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 one of those things um you know and i'm sure you had the same experience moving from uh london ontario um (laughs) to uh you know to toronto you know it's one of those things that if you want to take a big step in your career you you've got to take at least a little bit of risk and push Mm -hmm. yourself to that uncomfortable place Um, because nothing in life is going to come without some discomfort um, and stepping into a space where you feel uncomfortable and that's where you're going to do like your best like personal and professional growth is this place where, and wow, this just clicked in my head where where you're looking at like competition and you're just making yourself better and you want to get yourself to a place where you are comfortable, right, or you feel yeah. more comfortable, and you know another thing I tell people is, hey, when you start to feel too comfortable, shake it up, yeah, because that is a time where you start coasting, you stop pushing yourself,
0: hundred um, percent.
1: So if you are comfortable now and you can probably do your your job with your eyes closed. Um, If you get a job offer and you're like, oh, yeah, this is right up my alley. I know exactly how to do everything I'm about to do. Ask yourself, is that really the best, um, you know, the best thing to do?
0: Uh, And, you know, honestly, that whole answer that you just gave really, really spoke to me personally because it's exactly what I'm going through in my life right now where yeah like you said moving to a new city trying to balance myself financially i have three jobs i have three jobs <laughs> right like trying to balance all those things and do comedy which is what i really want to do like yeah. yeah and i can 100 percent agree obviously i'm not speaking from a place of you know great accomplishment or success but i can speak from the struggle to anybody listening 100 percent, mike is right you have to take some risk you have to make some sacrifice if you really want to do these things that, you know, will make you happy if you want to pursue them at the highest level. There's no other way, you know, you yeah. got to give something up. Right.
1: Yeah, And there's there's nothing better to uh, there's nothing better than waking up and just loving what you do, man. Um, you know, that is that is the the best feeling in the world. Um, so pursue that passion. And, you know, if you do have to work two, three jobs to get to a place where, you know, where we're, Comedy can be your, you know, your, your sole breadwinner and do what you need to do to get there. Yeah, man. man.
0: And like, again, like a lot of my family and stuff don't really understand. Like I saw my sister yesterday and she's like, Hey, you know, you have, you ever thought about like, you know what your plan B is going to be? I was like, I can't allow myself to even imagine a plan B because then it's not going to happen. And some people just don't understand that. And that's fine. But like for me personally, having to, you know, deal with that compartmentalize that accept that, let it go. And continue focused on my path. One of the hardest things that I've had to do, and again, it's not going to be easy, but that's what makes it worthwhile, right? Absolutely. Um, this has been a great uh, segue into my next question. You already briefly mentioned it in one of your previous answers when you said, "Well, what is success?" Quotations. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the question that we like to ask everybody on this podcast, especially someone like you you've worked for companies that I think people might even consider their dream jobs, you know, Mm -hmm. working for Netflix, working for Google. I know so many people who would love to work for these companies. What do you, like, how do you define success?
1: To, to, to bring up something that I mentioned earlier is, is just, are you in a place where you are happy with what you do? Um, do you wake up every day excited to go to work? Um, have you hit your goals that you've set? And hopefully that is not the highest goal that you've set because, you know, you, you mentioned Google, Facebook, Netflix, and now, um, you know, now a 16 Z and I'm like, that's all awesome. But like, I need to keep learning. I still Mm -hmm. want to do more and more um, and I think success most people boil down to oh if I'm rich I'm successful and yeah there's some truth to that um, but I've worked at jobs where I've made a ton of money and I freaking hated going to work and it's like I would rather take a job for less money and be happy mm-hmm. than make a boatload of money and just be miserable. Because what happens is that, like what you pick up at work, you take home, you know? And I mean, when I think about success for me as a person, it's like, am I happy? Is my family secure? Is my family safe? Can I travel and do the things that I love to do? And if so, then I'm, you know, I'm in a really good spot. You know, but you've got to figure out what your success looks like, um, you know, and and not anyone else's, because if you're setting your bar at making as much money as as Jeff Bezos, I'm not going to say don't do it because he's had a long, um, a long road as well. But you know, figure out what your success path looks like and make sure that you, your family are happy and, and truly enjoy what you do day in and day out. Um, you know, and, and that's that's where I would guide most people. Um, but yeah, success I've seen tied too many times to um, to financials. And it's like, look, I've been there, done that, and I would not go back there. Now, if you can combine financials with doing something that you love, then I mean you're in a really good spot. So I think that's
0: what most people really strive for, right? And like you were saying, it you seem like someone who really operates out of passion. Yeah. And it seems like I think I remember I was trying to quote something you said at the very beginning. I think it just clicked. It's passion over profit. Yeah. That's first of all, that's gonna be the name of this episode. No doubt (laughs) doubt. No doubt. That's gonna that's gonna gonna... (laughs) percent. It'll be it'll be passion and then a line and then profit underneath. You know. Oh man! Insane, don't and then don't, you uh, got
1: to, don't trademark that, man.
0: Yo, you got to give me credit, by the way. If anyone, anyone, face
1: right underneath it. How about
0: that? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too kind, Mike. You're too kind. So, like I said, you definitely give me the impression of someone who operates out of passion, and that seemed to be the gist of your answer. Of. Are you doing the things that truly make you happy? You know, um, what is that for you? What do you think your passion is? Because like you said, you've been with Google, Facebook, Netflix, now A16Z. Regardless of the... First of all, Netflix and A16Z, completely different companies. Very different companies. Right? Yep. But I'm sure there's some something within you that is allowing you to succeed And flourish at these companies because at the end of the day, it's the why, right? Whether you're being a recruiter at Netflix or your current role at A16Z, there's something within you that is pushing you forward. And I just want to know, what is that?
1: I'll make it very, very simple. I want to help change the world. I want to help change the world. And... Every single company that I've worked for has, is, and will change the world in some way, shape, or form. Everyone uses Google. Google has changed the way that we look up information, how we store information, to the point where it's now a verb. Um, Facebook changed the world like two i mean facebook has 2 billion plus users mm-hmm. um on its platform and that's almost what would that be like uh, probably quarter of the world yeah. Yeah. yeah so facebook made it easier to keep up with those family members and those college buddies that you do or don't want to keep up with <laughs> right so facebook changed the world netflix changed the world like netflix helped push streaming to a place where no one thought it could ever be, right? Like now I, my family can sit down and watch a movie at the push of a button where Netflix started off delivering DVDs, you know what I mean? So yeah. Netflix helped change the world and COVID is not gone. But throughout COVID, I couldn't imagine had covid hit let's say in the 90s right where it was like w- there was really no way to watch yeah
0: content oh my god you're on describing your tv yeah you're describing a nightmare right now Don. Yeah. <laughs> you know and,
1: and think about this could you go to work like zoom enabled many many people to continue making money for their families and i'm not going to say that there weren't also many people on the other side of that coin that weren't able to so i I recognize and understand that but could you imagine covid without video like bro we would have we the world would have fallen apart and the world still fell apart and we had all of this stuff (laughs) right so so netflix Help change the world, um, and when I thought about where is the next place that I'm that I want to take my career, um, I truly feel like crypto and the blockchain is the future. And being with an organization that is investing in entrepreneurs who all individually and independently want to change the world. I can't ask for anything better man like Mm -hmm. I'm sitting I, I will be sitting down with founders of of all of these big or small you know seed stage companies like hey we've got this crazy idea that's gonna change the world and I have an opportunity to help them make their dreams come true and as a as a result of that those dreams are going to change the world so Honestly, I, I hadn't thought about it before um, this conversation and no one's ever asked me what drives me, but I want to and
0: will change the world. That Such a great answer. Uh, I'm glad I could be the first person to ask you that. Uh, and also for anyone listening, Mike isn't the only one. As long as you follow your passion, you yeah. too can change the world, right? I think Absolutely. there's probably no better place to end this conversation than on that inspiring and profound note (laughs) (laughs) so thank you for for this great conversation you're a great dude i can tell just from the hour-long conversation we had do you have anywhere that people can find you um you know follow your work you know anything you want to want to plug right now yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, I am Soy Mike Jones on all uh, on all social media platforms. That's S O Y. Mike Jones, um, Spanish for "I am." Mike Jones. Uh, not I had so many hook. questions. I had
0: so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> you understand how many roasts were brewing in my head? <laughs> hey
1: man, you know I was pissed off. I am Mike Jones was taken, so I was like, "Yeah, hmm, how can I, how can I swing this a little yeah. bit?" So I was
0: like, "This guy got an Android and he's vegan." Oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> damn you! We went back there. Damn you! <laughs>
1: Hey Amen. I I want to, um, and we'll meet you someday in Toronto, and I will I will bring all of my Android devices so that uh, so that, that we can take we can take good pictures to commemorate the uh the the meeting, and my oh pictures my will God. be far better than all of yours. So I I'm looking forward to it, my man, and hopefully by then I'll have that tattoo. Okay, yeah, man.
0: <laughs> the tattoo, yeah. <laughs> Listen, all, to all my listeners out there, to all of the, the beautiful listeners, if you ever see a picture of me that looks like it came out of a GTA Five, that's because Mike came to his show with his Google tablet and <laughs> tried to take a selfie. Uh, I was like, dog, why'd you bring a toaster? Uh, <laughs> Oh man, we're Too okay, shame, my man. So, so let me say, this podcast is officially sponsored by Dogecoin and not <laughs> Android by all means. <laughs> Go hey, buy Ma- Dogecoin. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, not Mike. Financial advice.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's how we're gonna end the podcast. Thank you all for listening. None of the things we said are our <laughs> <are> official financial <laughs> advice. And thank you so much, Mike, for the amazing conversation.
1: Man. Kershaw, such a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for making this an enjoyable time. And uh, follow your passions, people.
0: (laughs) Yo, you finished another episode of Mindset, a podcast? Yo, you're loving it, eh? Yo, if you love it that much, you might as well click subscribe, like, follow, whatever the button is on your platform. You might as well smash it right now because we got so many more fantastic conversations in store, just like the great one we had with Mike Jones today. I don't know. Yeah, I started this outro real Bramptony, but now i'm you know back to c- civilian civilian voice civilian voice okay follow us bye